I feel like I really need to get my life together. Shona, I know we've already had a, a conversation about Lisa's midlife crisis, uh, tongue in cheek, but um, my schedule is all over the place. And I know that we have talked about the Pomodoro method where you set the mm-hmm. timer for a period of time, like 20 or 30 minutes or sometimes less, and then you take a break between it and it's supposed to help with productivity. And I feel like that's a great idea if you're not stuck in meetings all day. So I got to like, I got to cleanse my soul and professional life from meetings um, so that I can actually right. implement the Pomodoro method. But I just feel like it's coming at me from all sides right now. Oh my gosh. So the the funny in that is, you know, I have been on the struggle bus trying to get my whole calendar together, life together, all of it together. And as soon as I think I have it somewhat together, it's something else piles on top of it. It's like, I, I told my friend Tara the other day, I am constantly in quote unquote, get my shit together mode, right? Like constantly. But, you know, I do think that this is not uncommon for U.S. culture in general. And I'm just, I'm wondering what we can do here as far as like redefining all this, because it doesn't have to necessarily be this way. It's a matter of why it's this way. And especially Mm -hmm. as endurance sport athletes, oh my gosh, that's just adding a whole nother layer on top of all of it. So, Let's talk about this glorification of busy because, yeah, I I, I need to get it together, too. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. Whether you're competing in a triathlon or swimming to challenge yourself, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. For 15% off all items on orca.com, use the code livefeisty15. Raise your hand if you believe we need more women at our triathlons. The team at Lifetime is right there with you. Their main focus? the iconic Verizon New York City Triathlon coming up on July 24th. And Lisa, I did this race in 2016. And I have to say, it was like being shot out of a cannon with a thousand of your closest friends at the start of the swim. But I hear unlike 2016, this year, they added a duathlon distance and implemented a rookie refund program, all to get more racers like you of every age, skill level, and background to race the greatest city in the world. So let's ride a better future for endurance sports together. Visit nyctry.com today and reserve your spot. That's nyctri.com today.
so look, Lisa, I have a wonderful graduate student of mine who was saying the other day in a group meeting that she was kind of examining her leadership style and as a manager and so forth. And something hit me really hard that she said, she said, I have to overcome my addiction to busy, my addiction to work, and my comfort with overwhelm. And I'm like, ooh, girl, you are saying something because I think that's like my whole life, right? I mean, doesn't that hit hard? Yeah, comfort with overwhelm, as in that she is comfortable with overwhelm is not a good thing. Exactly, like almost as if, almost as if she doesn't know any other way or, or has not experienced life or work in any other way other than busy, overwork, overwhelm. And anything that doesn't rise to the level of busy, overwork, and overwhelm, she said, she's almost judgmental as if they're not working hard enough. Like it's, you're not working hard enough if you're not busy, overworked, and overwhelmed, which I think is so interesting and and an opportunity for us to reframe, right? Oh, and I feel like this is definitely a U.S. culture thing. I mean, granted, mm. it's been a long time since I've been a working professional in the U.K., but, you know, the yeah. office hours there are nine to five with an hour lunch, um, okay. where here they're eight to five to account for the fact that you have an hour lunch, right? So you're doing 40 hours versus 35 or whatever that is, um, yes. you know, and then my was working with a company that was based in the UK and, you know, they're all starting at nine and my day starts at eight. And so it's like mm-hmm. really um, different way of looking at things. And yeah. Yeah. We have a special guest. We need to start putting comment on the, the tagline um, on the podcast, but you know, I think what you're bringing up is important though, is that it, it sounds like, U.S. and there may be some other cultures, but it sounds like U.S. is still on that uh, proverbial hamster wheel of busy, busy, busy. We're okay with it. Even if we're not okay with it, we don't know any other way of how to function, right? Right. It's also that immediacy thing, right? Like I need things and I need them now. Like that's definitely, that's tied in here too, I think. Um, And that feels like U.S. Right, right, right. Exactly. Well, and you know, so here's what I think is really interesting, though, is that so I noticed this with something as simple as emailing, for example. So and I know power plays into this. So let's not act like power doesn't play into, you know, who on the org chart is emailing who and who's expected to respond, that type of thing. But I started noticing it earlier on in the pandemic. I'm sure it was there before, but the pandemic highlighted it where if Lisa is my supervisor and she emails me at 10 o'clock at night. I guess I should feel like I should respond immediately. And she may not have wanted me to respond immediately. She may have just wanted to get that off of her to-do list. And so, you know, then I've read in other articles where, for example, people, people in senior leadership roles don't email off hours, for example. So Lisa, going back to what you were saying, they don't email before eight or nine and don't email after five or six to kind of model folks not getting into their work or getting into their inbox. And so, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, we need to really examine this culture because it seems U.S. 
uh, it seems to be the bread and butter of what we do and have been doing forever. Yeah. And we judge each other on it. And we do judge each other on it. And then we're talking to a whole bunch of athletes here, right? And so I'm thinking it's not only um, the overwhelm at work, it's also the yeah. training and racing that goes on top of that, you know, and we've talked about this before, but I think this is particularly difficult for women. It's not that men of other gender identities don't have these similar experiences, but overwhelmingly women are the ones juggling everything. Oh my God. Yes. yes. So Lisa, maybe it would be helpful and you could, you know, you could share too what your schedule looked like, because I know that we have had really busy schedules for a long time, probably stemming back to graduate school, but let's say, let's go back to when I'm training for a 70.3, for example, the average day or average schedule was interesting. It started at what, let's say, you know, sometimes 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, no, you totally beat me on this one. There's no way I'm getting up at 3.30 a.m. I would start at 3.30 or 4 o'clock and I would tiptoe downstairs to the, the downstairs bathroom. So I'm not waking up the whole house getting ready to go out. Um I would be, I mean, if we're talking about riding wheels down at five, running, hitting the pavement at 5 a.m., that, that type of thing. Seven, by seven o'clock, I'm heading back into the gym to take my shower because I've already, you know, brought my gym bag with my work clothes and everything else in my gym bag back in, you know, at the gym to take my shower, what have you. And I'm at work sitting in my office chair by 8.30 doing everything I need to do, get off, run like a bat out of Hades, getting to pick up my kids from daycare or from school, making dinner, you know, doing it all over again, getting the bag together for the very next day. And I would do that for months, especially when it came to 70.3 for months. And really the only down quote unquote down day I got out of the week was after either a long run or a long ride on Sunday where you're meal prepping or whatever you need to do to get ready for the rest of the week to do it all over again. I mean, it, it was heinous, really heinous. Yeah, and it's self-inflicted, right, with the, um, with the training piece. Well, it's self-inflicted and it isn't because there's certainly something wrapped up in your identity, our identity as women participating in sport, as women in their 40s participating in sport, or I suppose at the time, maybe late 30s, but thinking mm-hmm. about... So there's choice, yes, but there are these other kind of contextual cultural factors that I think are affecting those choices around what does it mean to be a woman? And then for you, what does it mean to be a woman and a mom, right? And those pieces that I think complicate it. So I say, I guess I caveat the self-infliction comment there. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But I definitely up at 3.30, but I would have those runs where I would do half in the morning and half in the evening. So I would like cap my day with, you know, a four-mile run in the morning, a four-mile run in the evening, because I just didn't Mm -hmm. have time to get it in, in one go. Right. You know, and then maybe I would try and go swimming at lunchtime, um, but that Mm -hmm. was completely dependent on the day. Um, Yeah. So... Yeah. And I, so I'm thinking about this overwork and overwhelm. And then when you kind of like squash together your training and your work and parenting, perhaps, or looking after older adults or other commitments, Mm -hmm. it's kind of um, takes your breath away a little bit, right? 
Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, what I think is really important about it too, is that, you know, for, for those of us who, you know, we love endurance sport and I think you're right. It's self-inflicted if we do it. And it's also a feeling of self-infliction if we don't do it because it's part of our identity, right? Uh, as far as whatever level of athleticism we have or want to have fitness level, et cetera, it's part of our identity. And here's the, the other piece to that puzzle. I noticed during my quote unquote off seasons of when I wasn't training for anything, I was just kind of maintaining a, a certain level of fitness, et cetera. I still filled that training time with other stuff. So you know, no, I don't have a three hour run. Maybe I have a one hour run, but I spend two hours doing something else work related or, or, you know, volunteering or working with someone else or mentoring someone or whatever it is. And so as much as I used to say, you know, let's kick the can down the road to say, okay, I'll get to that during the off season, all that stuff then piles up during the off season. And so you're busy just in a different direction. I think that's a very U.S. based, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it is glorified, right? Like, um, yes, 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 yes. If you're not going a million miles an hour and doing a thousand things, then you definitely get the side eye. Like, are you lazy? You know, like not necessarily, but it's there. It's definitely there. Mm, Now that's a good point because let me tell you, people literally thought I was sick when I stopped my four or five, 6 a.m., you know, workouts and so forth. People thought something was wrong. And, you know, it got to a place where going back to your point on self-inflicted, especially when the pandemic happened and even now not having to drive into an office, I no longer, even then I didn't have to do it, but I especially don't have to do it now because, you know, the, the pandemic, I don't know about you, Lisa, but the pandemic messed up my complete sleep schedule. So, yeah. you know, if you don't fall asleep until like two something, then a 5 a.m. workout just ain't happening. Um, so that's one piece. But then I think too that, you know, I got to a place where I realized, oh, I do have options where let's say instead of getting to the gym at 5 a.m. to do a swim or what have you, I don't have to do that anymore. I can wake up at seven and go to the pool at eight because the early birds are already gone to work. And the people that come in later don't come in until 10. So I found a sweet spot, go there and not having to sacrifice sleep. Like it, it there is no glorification of going to work out later <laughs> or shortening that run because you have something else to do, what have you. But I, I think that's an additional layer that if you aren't, as my mother says all the time, you don't have to run around with your tongue hanging out all the time. Um, you know, if you're not running around with your tongue hanging out, it's seen to be that you're not putting in the effort yeah. that's supposedly necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. And it's interesting because it makes me think about resourcing, right? And this, this constant um, go, go, go that women experience in particular um, mm-hmm. need to be everywhere all at once. I mean, shoot, isn't that movie? I know it's a multiverse mm-hmm. movie, but it's like everywhere all at once at one time or something like that. And the lead, um, is a mm-hmm. woman and so I feel like that is oh. many women's lives and um that's just not sustainable but is it not sustainable because women in general lack the resources both within their family unit within their community within um kind of economic or political culture and so that kind of 
pushes uh, women into this place where they are running around with their tongue hanging out all the time because there's also this cultural overlay that we've just discussed in the United States of if you're not out of breath, then you're not working hard enough, right? Right, 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 exactly. Well, and you know, <laughs> let me tell you what I found, Lisa. So of course, Forbes always has something to say about everything in regards to the workplace. And, you know, we've already made it clear the U.S. is the most overworked developed nation in the world. That's what Forbes mentioned. We knew that already. Um, but what I think is really interesting, one of the quotes that's in that Forbes article talked about in 1960, only 20 percent of mothers worked. Today, 70% of American children live in households where all adults are employed. And so they go on to say, I don't care who stays at home or who works in terms of gender, um, but when all adults are working within a household with children, that's a huge hit to the American family and free time in the American household. And how I'd kind of tie that together, we talked about, you know, endurance sport is plugged in during free time. If there doesn't seem to be free time or not enough free time, what does that mean for our choice to engage in endurance sport? And as we know, especially with that, um, I still want to call it visible labor, but um, some of the assumed labor that women carry in the household, children are not, many times they're caretakers of people, um, younger or older, then they will always come in on the, the short end of the stick, you will, in regards to any quote unquote, leisure or free time, always we're going to come up short. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's that whole concept that we don't have time to get in here, but like mom guilt, right? Mother guilt around oh. doing anything for yourself. I think we've touched on that a little bit before, but I actually think that guilt extends because there's also, we've definitely talked about this before with the way that single women or women who are um, choosing not to have kids or can't have kids for whatever reason, yes. right? they often get um, additional work piled on them um, through their employment because of the assumption that they don't have anything valuable <laughs> to do outside of work, right? Because they're not right. a mom and, or, or they don't have a family. And so that's a huge issue in terms of where we're placing value. So if you're a mom, mm -hmm. you feel guilty for spending some of that free time on yourself because then you're a bad mother. If you're not a mother, then um, you get more work piled on because apparently your free time is not valuable. And so therefore, if you're not in the office, do you feel guilty because you're slacking, right? Because you don't have kids, so you don't have anything valuable to be doing outside of work, right? Like that's kind of this messaging that I think is happening. So you're basically... As a woman, regardless of your child or family status, your the culture is creating is is glorifying yeah. slash penalizing women right. Um, right. Right. for being busy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I when I go to races, I just don't hear men saying, "Oh, well, you know, I got here in time for packet pickup because I left the kids with their grandmother." Like. I, hear those conversations for women I hear very intricate conversations of well the neighbor's going to check on the dog and da -da 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 it's going to happen with this and it's this whole orchestration of what has to happen in order for the woman just to be there and that whole orchestration 
is not just for race weekend. It's for literally every single workout all the time, every single training session all the time. Well, what are the, what are the kids doing? Well, what, who's going to check on this and who's going to check on that? And it's, it is so infuriating. And I would imagine that it would be infuriating whether you have kids or not. I'm speaking from a place of a mother, but I'm imagining it's infuriating when you have responsibilities and yeah, you know, you have to coordinate a few things. And so part of me is like, this is interesting that the culture does this anyway, whether you're in endurance sport or not. And the notion that free time, quote unquote, leisure time, time with friends always seems to be frowned upon when it comes to a woman, no matter whether you're running the JFK 50 miler or whether you're doing nothing but sitting on the couch eating bonbons by yourself. Downtime seems to be like, yeah, the, the, the bad person in this. And I'm like, Mm, why are we placing women so far away from leisure time, no matter what they use it for? Right, right. And uh, yeah, that lack of, so if if you do have resources in your life that you can actually have some downtime, excuse me, then, but then you're like, you're made to feel bad about having the downtime, right? So most women don't have the resources because you know, in the larger political climate, we're not that important. So why would we have, you know, childcare or anything like that? Uh, and then mm-hmm. if you have a snippet of downtime, because you do have the resources, then you're lazy. <laughs> and let me, let me unveil my own judgmental foolishness and hypocrisy on this. I remember one time, it's very interesting. One time it was in a, a large women's triathlon social media page. Okay. I don't even remember which one I tell you if I remember, but I remember there was a woman that posted um, just some of her feelings of overwhelm in regards to training for a 140.6. And yes, she did have three children and she talked about this level of overwhelm and she didn't get into all of the details of her personal life, but she said a little bit. And then you could see all the commentary of people that had done it before, et cetera. Some people were judgmental, some people were not. And later on, after people weighed in, she revealed that she did not work outside of the home. And she had, um, I think two of her children were in school and one other one uh, they had in daycare during the day. And so I found it so interesting, the stratification of comments where (laughs) all of my black triathlete woman girlfriends a lot of us went over to another chat talking about what the hell is she complaining for? She's got, you know, at least six hours out of the day where two of your kids are at school and one of your kids are in daycare and you have no time to train. Girl, please get out of here. We ain't got nothing to say for you because we've got friends that have full-time jobs, side gig, training full of full for a full. Some of them are don't have any help or they have elderly parents, et cetera. And it was so interesting that we went to this judgmental place of comparison of whose burdens are heavier than others. And we went there as soon as she revealed that she didn't work outside the home, we went to a whole nother level of judgment. Right. And looking back on it, I'm like, 
well, you don't know. One of the kids could have had special needs or, you know, maybe she had her own challenges as a woman or whatever. I, I just, as I look back on it, I'm thinking about how many layers mm. we, we aren't even aware of in her identity yeah. that may have made it difficult based on that specific context. Now me, if you gave me two kids at school and one at daycare and no job, I'm doing every full every weekend. Okay. I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh, six hours a day seems like so much great time, but that's yeah. not the case for everyone. It's just not. No, but even like, in, so even in that comparison though, there's a hierarchy being created, right? Like your yes. is better because look at all their managing and her group is lazy, disorganized, whatever, right? That might be. And so that's the, so that you inadvertently glorified busyness and managing 19 different things at once as as you know just get over it and do it right and that's what we're saying is not a good thing <laughs> normalizing going back to the point of normalizing the busy the overwork and the overwhelm and of course that feeds into what we've talked about before in regards to some language that I don't like to use as often black girl magic in that particular group is that of course we can do it all at the same time you can work a full-time job and train for a full and have 17 kids and your husband is happy and everything else like all these other things yeah. which I thought was uh, now reflecting on it it was truly like girl if your tongue is not hanging out because you're so exhausted and busy and all over the place then you're not doing it right how about that okay because yeah. that's how this works that's how endurance sport works for people who have these particular responsibilities and it doesn't have to work that way. And in fact, we know for an endurance sport for women, there are so many women who are successful in their own lane, doing it their own way. And that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we were in that camp for sure, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think on this kind of individual level, many of us probably do acknowledge it's okay not to be going a mile a minute, right? To actually appreciate the downtime. But then it's the it's the putting that into practice, I think, where ah, we, ah, run, right, we right. run into the barriers and those barriers are other people judging us, are these kind of larger cultural norms about what we should and shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, there's a lot going on there in terms of, you know, finances and, um access to the outdoors and lots I mean I think we're not trying to simplify this it's a pretty complicated picture um yeah but I just I mean we say this all the time in in social work you know you got to practice self-care but it just becomes meaningless because yes. the reality yes. is again social work is a predominantly women predominantly white women still women you know like when exactly am I going to do that right like that's that's it you that's know? it exactly and and with the lack of co-signing not you know when I think about this I think about it all the time I felt like especially when when training heavily I felt like my my personality and my resolve was strong enough to deal with the judgment that came but that doesn't mean it didn't come you know the judgment of oh well you should be you know happy and, and in the kitchen cooking and playing with the kids all day Saturday, not on your bike for four hours or, you know, whatever's going on. And I felt pretty resolved in, 
I don't give a shit what y'all think. This makes me happy. This is what I want to do. And it's not a crime, right? But even for a relatively confident person, the pressures were still there. The judgment was still there. And the difficulty of the being strong against the pressure, if you will. So, because, you know, yeah, I was strong enough to go out and ride my bike for four hours, but I knew I was going to hear a bunch of crap when I got home from everyone who judged women to think that they're supposed to be at home all the time. So, you know, given that, that doesn't mean the resistance wasn't there. And so it's kind of like, you know, that SBO model I talk about all the time, Lisa, where it's how you yourself behave and perceive it, how you choose to behave in the face of that resistance, and then how others perceive it. And there's going to be times where SBO doesn't jive, where they don't jive at all. And just the being resilient in the face of that resistance, even as a confident person, still takes a toll on you. So add that onto the list of busy, overwork, overwhelm, and resistant. Add it all in there. Well, and then does it push you to demonstrate that actually you can manage it all, right? So it's it's judgment about where you should be and where you should be spending your time. And so in response to that judgment, it's like, well, actually I can do all of it, right? And that makes me a great person. So get over yourself. Yeah. Which also comes back to this glorification of busy, right? Like I can't, and it, you know, we're not going to get into the whole can women have it all conversation. I think we've touched on that a few times and that's yeah. probably a rabbit hole for yep. another day. But I do think that, yeah, so you're, that you have the emotional stress of the uh, challenge and the resistance, but then that is yes, you know, yes, unconsciously then pushing you to prove that you can actually do everything, which then is like yeah, then is applauded, right? Sometimes, you know, look, Girl, at look, she manages everything. Look, let me tell you, let me tell you, my I, I may have to post the ugly cry pictures of my last seventy point three. Um, Iron Man, North Carolina, 70.3 in Wilmington, North Carolina. And that was one of those years where shit was falling apart. I mean, everything work was blowing up. Everything was blowing up. I need to go home. I mean, just, I, I got the bare minimum dosage of training that was necessary to get me over the line, literally. And I went into this ugly cry at the end because I felt exactly what you were mentioning, Lisa, around yeah, I barely made it. I damn near killed myself making it, but I still did it. So F you to all the people who said I couldn't do it all at once. I did it. Damn it. I don't care if I crossed the line one second before cutoff. I did it. And you should put in parentheses after I did it to my own deficit, to my own demise, because I was tired as hell. I was falling asleep in meetings at work. I was exhausted. I did it. But, you know, given that, again, who are you proving it to? nobody it's like the same people who are like giving you the golf clap with your posts on social media are also the people that don't have to deal with you complaining about how tired you are and oh I forgot a whole meeting at work because I was so exhausted and what are you proving here and so I think it kind of gives us that full circle moment of who are we busy for are we busy, overwhelmed, and overwhelmed or, or overworked to impress ourselves and prove to ourselves, prove to other people? Or are we going to get to a place where it's like, mm, I'm doing this truly for myself? And to what detriment? Mm. 
eh, I don't have a good answer to that question, but yeah, no, yeah. I don't either. It's certainly worth thinking about. And obviously, you know, we're definitely speaking from a place of privilege here because we are able to scrape together some time to do training for race. That's right. There are obviously folks That's who right. do that and do not have, there's just no way because their life is already overwhelmingly busy and it would simply be disastrous for them to add anything else onto that. And so that's right. That doesn't mean though that they don't perhaps covet the ability to add that that's into right. their schedule so that they can say they do it all. And I think that's a product of the culture of mm. awarded, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Lisa, I have a quick hell yeah for you. Um, I think you would enjoy hearing about it because I don't know how much you follow the Institute of Women's Policy Research, but I've, I've been a fan for quite a few years. If you need some really strong data on women, yeah, go check them out. Yep. Hell yeah. Hell no. And so Dr. C. Nicole Mason, president and CEO of the IWPR, she coins a phrase that I really like. It embodies what we've been talking about quite a bit. At the start of the pandemic, she coined the term she session to describe the disproportionate impact of employment and income losses on women. And we talked about this before, how hundreds of thousands of women left, many of which um, not necessarily ideally left, but they left their jobs in the workforce that first year. And, you know, I think that's what's really interesting now that, you know, we've had recession, we've had a he session that she mentioned before, but this is one of the first times where we've heard women being truly centered in um, some of the challenges and kind of this reframe or flip-flop of employment, because, you know, we used to say it was an employer's market, but I would truly say it's an employee's market now in that employees are organizing, they are no longer putting up with the bullshit in response to how they're being, um, how they're being compensated, how they're being rewarded, meritocracy, whether it's a true meritocracy or not, there's a lot going on with that. So I wanted to just uh, shout out Dr. Mason and hell yeah to her for this particular language. I fortunately get to hear from her on June 14th for the Embrace Ambition virtual conference through the Tory Birch Foundation. So I'm anxious to hear if she's going to hit on this or not, uh, given that the pandemic kind of uh, helped her to coin this phrase and what's going to happen next in regards to women in the workforce. So excited to hear a little bit more from her. Yeah. So hell yeah to Dr. Mason. Well, and I just want to follow that up with another hell yeah to you for being named a Tory Birch fellow, one of 50 women across the United States, right? So you beat out a ton of women. Oh Very my gosh. Very I, and, and look, let me just say that uh, Dr. Lisa was uh, probably looking at my frantic emails and texts and so forth along the, the process with the interviews and so forth. And writing a business plan, which I had never written one before. I was just doing business, not writing a plan. So uh, thank you for your support and for all the people that knew I was going through this behind the scenes process. And uh, keeping that secret for a month was like terrible, right? I mean, it was yeah. like, oh, uh, I cannot wait until the social media goes out because I'm just hard. It's, it's bad keeping a secret, but thank you for that. Yeah, 
And all right, so my hell nah then is um, also affecting women and parents. Um, <laughs> oh, so it's just a big lasai, really. So as many of you know, there is a shortage of baby formula right now. That is not the fault of any parent. Um, and uh, so in uh, the federal government, there was an emergency measure introduced to address these baby formula shortages. Um, this happened, by the time you're listening to this, this, this vote happened a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah. And, um, 192 uh, Republican legislators uh, in the House voted against this emergency measure. So the irony is that many, if not all of those legislators are probably um, anti-choice and probably want to force a person to carry a pregnancy to term, uh, risk their life and their health and um, forever change their life based on that, but they are not willing to vote for an emergency measure that Ridiculous. would create more baby formula so that these individuals could actually feed the kids that they are being forced to have. So Ridiculous. Um, massive hell nah for the hypocrisy. I am just so over it. It's not mm. pro-life, it's pro-birth and you don't give two shits about supporting people mm -hmm. who have kids that make their lives considerably harder. Absolutely. And from a mom that's grateful that I no longer have to uh, get formula anymore. Um, I have an 11 year old and an eight year old. My oldest son was on a formula called Nutramogen back then, which was a hyperallergenic formula cost 32 bucks a can. We used to call it his steak dinner. Um, 32 bucks a can, hard to find. One can only lasted us one week. And that was in addition to um, really hard challenges with nursing him. So for those that think, oh, just nurse him, just no, it's not that easy. It's not that simple. If you've ever tried feeding a child with your own body, you will realize that it is not easy for everyone. Shame on y'all for being so pro-birth and not pro-life and pro-growth and pro-supplemental to these babies that have no choice. Shame on y'all for doing it. Shame on you. I went, um, when I was home last week, I went to four different stores looking for formula to ship to some friends in Alabama, and I did not find anything when I went shopping for them. So shame on y'all for not voting this emergency measure in. Shame on you. Feisty Triathlon is proudly partnered with TryHard. TryHard is the only company offering pre and post swim solutions to provide comprehensive protection for your hair and skin. Its products include swimmer shampoo, pre and post swim conditioner, pre and post swim lotion, and more. All products are made with clean formula and are parabens free, SLS free, alcohol free, cruelty free, vegan, and non GMO. And to boot, bottles are made with 80% recycled plastic. So why don't you swim without compromising your skin and hair? Unfazed listeners get 15% off all TryHard products by going to tryhard.co and using the code FEISTY15.
Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and use the code feisty for 20% off. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Live Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay Glassford. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social at Try to Defy, at Dr. Gold Speaks, or at Outspoken Women in Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time.